We are now on the third Sunday of Advent. Gaudete Sunday. Sunday which we rejoice because we are now in the transition going to the fulfillment of God's promises upon His people. Today's Gospel is a continuation of our Gospel that we have last Sunday about that John was preaching in the wilderness that we should prepare the coming, the way for the coming of our King. And today he continues with his preaching and his teaching. And many comes to him to be baptized by him in the Jordan River. Only in the Gospel of Matthew, it was mentioned that the Pharisees and the scribes came to his baptism. You cannot find that in Mark, Luke, and John. It was not mentioned in our Gospel today. But it was mentioned in the Gospel of Matthew that they came, Pharisees and the scribes, and to be baptized by him. And so he said this word to them, even into the hearings of the multitude. That he said, Brood of vipers, who has warned you to flee from the wrath to come? They came for baptism. The baptism that John the Baptist is baptizing is the baptism of repentance. This is what John, in his ministry, he prepared a way, telling the people to repent. And so, God this day would like to remind us that through His grace, He calls us to bear the fruit of a transformed life. It is only by His grace we will be transformed. And that grace also calls us to repentance. When God was being in silent for more than 400 years after the captivity of the nation of Israel, there was this silence. They were not able to hear God anymore. It's as if God has abandoned the nation of Israel. But after 400 years, they hear the message from John the Baptist. And so they came. They were curious if this is truly comes from God. And John the Baptist rebukes the Pharisees and the scribes. This is God's grace. You know, when God rebukes his people, let us always remember that is God's grace. God is not mad. God is not angry. He is loved. Okay? When God corrects his children, he corrects them because he loves his children. He corrects them because not, he is mad, he is angry with his children. The correction of the father is that he wanted his children to walk accordingly, properly. So that's why he corrects, that's why he rebukes. He chastened, according to the letter to the Hebrews. 
And that chastening seems to be painful for a while. But when we begin to yield to it, it says that it will lead to a peaceable life. So here, John the Baptist rebukes the Pharisees and the scribes. God would like for them to hear the message. Not only for the scribes and the Pharisees who came to the Baptist, but I believe even to the nation of Israel who rejected God, have turned their backs against God. And so they hear the message. And so they came. But this message was addressed to the leaders, the religious leaders of the time, of the day. Because God wanted to correct them. Because that is God's way of showing his love to his people. He corrects, he chastens, he rebukes. So that is God's grace. He calls us to bear the fruit of that repentant life, of that transformed life. So the proof of that new life that we have is by the fruits that we bear. This John addressing the Pharisees and the scribes, brood of vipers, who has warned you to flee from the wrath to come. Don't even think, don't even imagine, don't be too confident in yourself that you have Abraham as your father. Because God says, even with his children, From these stones, God will raise children to Abraham. God is looking for a submissive heart. God is looking for a repentant heart. Not to the arrogant, not to the lofty, the boastful. Because God is addressing to them here that should they should have that humility of heart to accept the message John the Baptist is bringing to them. And this message also does not just belong to the Pharisees, the scribes, the leaders of the day, but this also speaks with us even today. And so, Even in baptism, when we are baptized, these people came to the baptism. The baptism that we have, this is not magic, but it should be the beginning of the new life. That's why every now and then we have what we call a renewal of our baptismal vows. Not because our baptism, not because our baptismal covenant, not because our baptismal vows have expired. But that simply we say, yes, we failed. 
we fall short. And it is us who needs God's grace, but God is the one who always offers us His covenant. So with that, when we continually renew our covenant with God, we continually say that we continually walk in the ways of God. Okay? And so, here, to repent means turning away from darkness into light. Walking again the different ways. When we know that we are walking not according to God's ways, and we, we begin to walk according to the ways of man and according to the ways of the world, then we are going to turn back to the ways of our God. Show at once, show at once, by our change of life, that our repentance is worth something, has some meaning in it. It's not just words. Sometimes our story is just words. But there's no action into it. So, we can see here that what God expects from us is a transformed life. Verse 9 says here, Even now the axe is laid to the root of the trees. Therefore, every tree which does not bear good fruit is cut down into the fire. So here we can see the judgment belongs to those who are persistently rebellious. Those who are persistently going against God. So this is the judgment. The axe is already laid. So this judgment belongs to those who continually walk in rebellion. So that's why he says, every good, every tree which does not bear good food is cut, is cut down. Thing is, it's not a matter of being able to bear fruit. But sometimes the problem is that we do not want to bear fruit. You know, when we begin to walk in our ways, we think we are bearing fruit. But it's not. Because that is not the fruit God is seeking. That is not what the fruit God wanted for you to produce, for us to produce. We think we are bearing fruit because we are doing things according to our ways. But that is not the kind of fruit God is seeking. You might think we, we bear fruit. But do you think that is the fruit God seeks? God seeks fruit according to how He wanted it done in our lives. So that's why we walk according to His ways, we walk according to His principles, we do the things of God 
We do the work of God, His purpose and His will and His plan. But if it is our will, it is our plan, it is our purpose, we might say bearing fruit, but not the true fruit, the kind of fruit God seeks from us. Okay? So it's not a question of the ability, but sometimes we say it, the willingness. The willingness, just like what the following verses says here. So the people asked him, saying, What shall we do? He answered and said to them, He who has two tunics, let him give to him who has none. And he who has food, let him do likewise. Tax collectors also came to be baptized and said to him, Teacher, what shall we do? He said to them, Collect no more than what is appointed for you. Likewise, the soldiers asked him, saying, What shall we do? So he said to them, Do not intimidate anyone or accuse falsely, and be content with your wages. The question is, when you knew that you are doing something wrong, you are not doing the right things, do you think you don't know what to do? You don't know what the right thing you should do. Just like these tax collectors who came to Jesus, they knew that they were collecting tax above and beyond what is required. The soldiers, they knew that they intimidate someone. They used their authority, their power to intimidate even those who have enough does not care for those who are less. Now, the question is, do you think they don't know what to do? Do you think they need a teaching about doing something what is right? They know that what they are doing is wrong. So why still they would ask John the Baptist, what shall we do? The question is that it's not a matter of that we don't know what we should do. But that we do not know what we do not do. We know that we should be doing. And this is the fruit, the kind of fruit God seeks. And so, here, we can say, yes, God's grace is sufficient for us. God would work through His Holy Spirit on our behalf. His grace is sufficient, just like what St. Paul says when he asked God to remove all these things that pains him. But God says, my grace is sufficient for you. It will strengthen you. It will help you. But we need to yield. We need to come to God and acknowledge, yes, 
We need His grace. His grace to change. His grace to strengthen. His grace to endure. His grace to persist. So we can see here in this gospel, yes, we are to rejoice in this grace that God has abundantly blessed us. In our second reading, St. Paul says, Rejoice again, I say rejoice. If you are going to look at the history where this letter was written by St. Paul, and what is the situation, you would find out that St. Paul was in prison. St. Paul was now in the near death to his martyrdom. But still, St. Paul says, Rejoice. Again, I say rejoice. Let your prayer, your supplication, be made known to God with thanksgiving. And even he says, to meditate on these things that are right, pure, holy, a good virtue, good report. Think on these things. That the fruit, that kind of fruit God is seeking from us, that would come out. That is what we're going to bear in our lives. Not the kind of fruit that we think is right. According to our plans, according to our ways, and according to our purpose. That's not the kind of fruit God seeks. So this day, again, we're being reminded of God's goodness and God's grace to us. Let us be grateful God corrects us. God rebukes us. That is God's grace calling us to repentance. And that is God's love through His grace revealed and made known to us. So stand and let us again declare the creed.